It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, Jay, what's up, man? You ready to talk movies? I'm ready to talk movies. Let's do it. Uh, All right. Hey, everyone. Uh, Welcome to the Fear in There podcast. My name is Jay. I live in New York. My name is Zachary, and I live in Columbus, Ohio. Is it really Columbus, though? It is, I think. I've only been here a week and a half, and it's useful every time I pass the signs on the highway, because I don't exactly remember. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, if you don't know, our, the podcast is called Fear and There, because we are, uh, we're dear friends, and we recently moved away from each other, but we also love horror movies, and so this podcast is an excuse to keep develop- developing our friendship, and to enjoy scaring the shit out of ourselves. And I and I really I have to say I really appreciate that you said that we moved away from each other instead of hoisting the blame entirely on me. I feel like that implies <laughs> yeah. that you also moved somewhere, which I think yeah. is probably more just from the living room into the into your uh, recording room. Yeah, my recording room is very hot. It's it's right now it's mid-August in New York City, which most people don't know. New York City is uh Terrible. It's a terrible thing. It's really kind of like a Virginia climate, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's the... We're, we're doing this little experiment. I'm not sure how often we'll get together to do it or, you know, how how good this is going to come out. But, you know, as if you're listening to this, you're one of our first listeners. So you're Which along- means you're either related to us or we've paid you. Or both, actually, in yeah, some Yeah, maybe both, yeah, yeah. We definitely pay an affection to our significant others, that's for sure. We do, we do, we do. Um, but yeah, so I guess you guys are along for this journey with us. So each week we'll, uh, we will, well, each week or each episode, I guess, we'll, <laughs> we'll pick a movie that, um, I'm not really sure if there's a criteria. I think, for now, I think we should do movies that at least one of us hasn't seen. Sure. Um, but we'll pick a movie and we'll... We'll go through it with the end goal of deciding how effective of a horror movie it is. Um, and, you know, we'll go over some categories and we'll probably argue back and forth about what is significant about the movie. And uh, hopefully it's interesting. Hope so. <laughs> so, yeah. Do At you least w- to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Do you want to kick it off? I can start uh, going through the categories. Uh, yeah. Sure. Cool. Go ahead. I was also thinking, like, each of these we could uh, uh, we could start off by just saying, like, if there's anything else that you've watched recently that you liked that you wanted to call out. That's a good question. Yeah, well, Mandy and I saw The Farewell. I mean, that, that, that couldn't really be farther from a uh, horror movie, but we liked that. <laughs> Who did that one? It's, um, I think it's a debut film by Lulu Wang, who's a Chinese-American filmmaker. Mm. It's, um, it's that film with Aquafina. It's sort of about a, 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 a matriarch, an elderly matriarch who is dying of cancer, and the, and the whole family decides to lie to her uh, by withholding the uh, uh, diagnosis. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And they I all come to China, story. you know. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's, a, uh, it's poignant. It's, it's a good film. Nice. Um, How about you? That's cool. Uh, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood last night, actually. Mm. Um, What'd you think? uh, Good. I would say, I mean, this movie is kind of fraught with criticism, I I guess, as Tarantino movies kind of always are. Um, But this one in particular was kind of like dry and long, (laughs) which I I mean... I think Tarantino does this thing where he like lulls you into a state of not realizing 
how long his movies are because he jumps around a lot. He mm-hmm. like packs it with dialogue and movie references. Um, but it's it's long. Uh, so so the takeaway is that it's long. Yeah, and the violence that Tarantino violence is pretty much um, uh, like uh, compacted into a very short amount of time. And isn't a lot of the violence actually kind of artificial because it's in the movie making scenes or no? I mean, I haven't seen it, so I I don't know. Well, do you know what it's about? Sure. Yeah, it's about a uh, kind of a washed up uh, a list actor, right? And his and his uh, stunt double. Yeah, but what's the setting? Oh well, okay, right. It's the, it's the it's the uh, right the the Manson murders. Sure. Right, so I think that's the key. Like I I went with Julie, and it was I actually see. It was, I see. It was like really weird because I went with Julie, and she she she. <laughs> I don't think she likes Tarantino, but maybe she kind of does. She likes the humor of Tarantino and like the okay. pop, pop culture references, which is, you know, that makes sense. Um, right, sure. But she, I don't know, the vi- she doesn't do well with violence usually. So um, I was just really interesting that she wanted to see this movie. Um, right, right, right. <laughs> or any right. Tarantino movie, but she didn't know ahead of time that it was a Manson family thing. Oh, oh. And, and I mean, I assume that it kind of like, it kind of climaxes with that. I assume it sort of must climax with yeah, that. Yeah, because... it sort of runs in parallel to the concept of oh, it. it like Sharon, okay, okay. Sharon Tate is played by Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It was really smart. There was a lot of stuff in the movie that a lot of people didn't like. Like there, Bruce Lee is portrayed in the movie in a pretty negative way. Yeah, um, yeah. I've read a little bit about that mm-hmm. and sort of heavy with stereotyping, that kind of thing. Yeah, um, but I think it, you know, it fits squarely into his whole revisionist history phase. So, um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a good movie. It was entertaining. Um, the The reason I think is pertinent to this podcast, and this will help us segue right on back, is uh, sure. So, like, you know, this whole thing about him talking about his last movie being the next one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wants to do ten movies. His next movie is the ten tenth movie. Right, right, right. And he's talked about everything from doing. Um, doing like a Star Trek movie. <laughs> Have you heard this? Yeah, I know, but I, I suppose the studio is sort of resident to get uh, reticent to give him the the reins on that one. I, although, frankly, I, I actually think that's maybe the best use of his skills. I kind of like that idea. Well, it was he there? He kind of, it seems like he wants to tackle like a genre he's never done before. Um, because the other mm. thing he's talked about is he if he found the right story, he would want to do a horror movie. That also is kind of interesting, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and so all the reading that I had done of, like, interviews with him about that fact, um, he he sort of, uh, he, he said that there's a part in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it's like a 10 to 15 minute segment that he considers kind of a, a little mini horror hmm. short. Well, yeah, um, he's done it before. I mean, there's there are absolutely segments of the first Kill Bill that you could construe as horror. Yeah, I think this one is more overt because of the Manson mm, family okay. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Manson family, like, that's serial killer fodder right sure, there. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was really tense, and I was looking out for that scene because I had read that article before. Mm. It was, like, the only reading that I had done. Um, so, anyway, yeah, it's a good, I thought it was a good movie. I think it's it's worthy of the praise it's getting and pro- nice. probably also worthy of the criticism. So <laughs> Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. Cool. So I think the first place to start, obviously, the movie this week is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original 1974 one. Um, this is, I think, one of the most iconic horror movies um, ever made. So it was a. I think it, we were both really excited for this choice um, as a first episode, really. I, sure. I mean, for for a couple of guys who have seen, like, who have, I mean, not to toot our own horns here, but like, we have a. We have a pretty extensive uh, knowledge of the horror genre, and and for us to have not seen this movie, either of us, is kind of bizarre. So it, it was definitely the obvious first choice. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I, it's a movie that I've avoided, honestly, um, and that's a category <laughs> mm. in a few. So right, I, right, I, th- right. I think we'll get to that. But um, so it's interesting. Did you did you avoid it because you you were afraid of it? Yeah, because sort it felt, of it, it, because it's dated. It feels maybe like it would have been a chore to watch. Uh, yeah, why? Why? I mean, I think it's a good. Uh, it's a good question. What? Why did you avoid it? Yeah, I mean that is a great question, and it's it's more than that. It has more to do with like my existential relationship with horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. 
but that's I think I want to get into some spoilers. Um, okay. With okay. That. Okay. So so let me hold off on that. Um, so so this first these first couple of categories these this first you know initial five minutes or so will be kind of the spoiler free section. Sure. Um, and so the first question that I wanted to just get your sense of is like, how did you set yourself up to watch this movie? Where did you watch mm. it? How did you watch it? Ah, just, just the, just the sort of logistics of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, so I, um, did I even, yeah. So, okay. So this was the first movie that I have watched in my new house. Mm. Um, and the TV was on, <laughs> the TV was on, how do I even explain this? It was inside of the fireplace uh, because we don't have a TV stand that fits the area. And so it was just sort of on, not exactly the floor, but on the brick uh, kind of extension of the fireplace. And uh, the curtains were drawn. Uh, Mandy, uh, my partner, was upstairs listening to music shows so that she wouldn't hear uh, the screams. Which, uh, either- which, by the way, like textbook screams. Oh yeah, very much so. Which very much. We so. should definitely so. get into that later. Absolutely. And the screams, uh, the screams I can add, uh, were coming from her. I mean, coming from me and also from the film. So <laughs> yeah, it yeah. wasn't it just was an uncanny, uncanny resemblance. But but I do have to say, I, I think one of the things that this that this question kind of gets at is how scary were the circumstances, um, and they were scary. Actually, they were they were quite scary. I mean, even though Mandy was in the house, she was upstairs. Uh, I, I mean, I've never lived in a two-story house before, so I, she might as well not have been on the on the property. And I'm in a city that I've only lived in for less than two, you know, for fewer than two weeks. And it's like it was scary. It was scary. I have to say, it was scary. It was it was a good, uh, terrifying uh, milieu to to watch this film. Uh, how about you? Yeah, and you also not to cut away from you because I want you to. You sent me a picture of your basement. Like, oh yeah, that I've night. got a basement. I've but, got a basement. But it is literally the basement from The Conjuring. Yeah, why not? It totally is. It's, it's, I, I mean, it's just a basement period. I grew up in Florida and I've lived in apartments since then. So this is, I've never had a basement either. Wait, so your family didn't have a house? No, we had a house, but we didn't have a basement. Uh, under, uh, in, in South Florida, it's just, it's just limestone. It's water. You know, that's super interesting the concept of basements because like mm-hmm. i grew up in the northeast new england right so yeah, it's yeah, yeah basement right. city up here man that's where we store yeah. our shit that's where you that's where you uh go to hang out with your stupid shithead friends in high school <laughs> that's where my brother hung out with his stupid shithead friends into college uh, yeah. you know um so that's interesting there and then obviously the horror movie r- reference so that's I feel like I'd like to talk to you about that at some point, but maybe we yeah. maybe we go on to my circumstances so we can move on. I, definitely, but but I but also to table for another episode. Why is it that your brother's shithead friends are always cooler than your own shithead friends? I had the same oh. experience in high school, and I thought oh. they were so much cooler, but they were just as big shitheads. Idiots. You know, they were just yeah, as big as shitheads. Idiots, yeah, idiots, I, just complete morons. Yeah, so I, I actually might get into that a little bit um, <laughs> in this podcast in a later section, and I will explain that momentarily. Uh, Ooh, right. re- real quick, my circumstances watching this movie yeah. were the direct opposite of yours. I they okay. you know I was in a very familiar place. I've lived in this apartment for two years now, um, which is a long time in 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 a city like New York. Um, sure is. And speaking of the city, it was just you know obnoxious cars driving by and garbage trucks <laughs> and right. sirens. So it's really hard to set up a nice like. Right. Ambiance, a nice tewa um, mm. for a horror movie. But, you know, Julie wasn't home yet. She was out somewhere. And, uh, yeah, I turned all the lights off, closed the blinds, and uh, I signed up for Shudder for a nice 60-day oh. trial of Shudder, and which is where... That's right, that's right. Yep, which is, that's where, that's where I got this movie on. So, which is, uh, which is a really, you know, it's a good service that I watched kind of grow over the last couple of years. Um, so that was nice. Um, so all around, it was just, uh, I think to me, it's really important to set yourself up for success with horror movies. Mm. And if you're going into it with all the lights on, trying not to be scared, it's kind of like you're defeating the purpose of the movie. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So so I was really trying to give myself the benefit of the doubt. Even though this movie is not a terribly dark movie. Um, no. I think it actually has a lot in common with um, Midsommar, which we saw together a couple of weeks ago, um, in in some of its daylight uses and some mm, of its sort mm-hmm. of simplicity and letting the actors sure. just be. 
Sure, um, sure, sure. Yeah, so I think maybe we should talk about context before the spoiler, right? Okay. So, I mean, since we're talking about the context that we set up when we actually watched the movie, um, I think it's important to talk about horror movies in the context of the world mm-hmm. of horror movies. So, mm-hmm, first, mm-hmm. there's... Um, the everybody's context of a horror movie and that is an interesting thing with this genre the whole spirit of this category i think is to talk about why does this movie exist did it sure did it happen because it was based on real life events is it a sequel is it a remake is it right 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 um and uh, i can tell you a little bit of what what i know about texas chainsaw massacre and i'm curious to see if you knew much before yeah but there are basically like two pillars with with uh, Texas Chainsaw that I always knew. First of all, it is like, I would argue next to the exorcist kind of what people consider, um, the epitome of seventies horror, the epitome of this gold. Very emblematic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you can't get away from that now seeing that movie. I, I would be interested to see what, like to look closer at the reception when it did come out, you know, we didn't really have, Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic back then. So it was, uh, um, so I'm interested with that, but I think people put, put rose colored glasses on a lot when, well, I guess maybe blood colored glasses, um, (laughs) when they watch a movie from the seventies like this. So, um, that I was trying to keep away from, I was trying to, trying to watch it like out of time, you know, trying to give it the benefit of the doubt. Historically. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, but then the other thing is this is based on one of the most terrifying and, and least talked about, um, actual real life serial killers. I think you're talking about the Ed Ed Gein. Ed, Ed Gein, yeah. So Gein, I, yeah, yeah. I think he's the least known one. Like people think of Ted Bundy, and people think of sure, sure. You know Kaczynski and all these guys. Um, I guess he wasn't a serial killer, but you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people don't know Ed Gein by name, but they know him by his movie. Uh, inspirations so like this is one of the most famous ones because it's really on the nose but obviously he also inspired uh buffalo bill in silence of the lambs um and really ed gein's a crazy guy i i took a criminology class in i think it it must have been (laughs) high school and we had to do a uh we had to do a project on serial killers and we ended up with Ed Gein and doing the reading oh, on this weird. was terrifying. I mean he had a house like this in middle of nowhere, Texas. Right, um, right, right. Oh, it was Texas. I didn't even know it was Texas. Okay. Well, Texas I mean Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know? No, I know. But 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 the, but my understanding of this film is that is that Ed Gein or Gein, however you say his name, uh he was he was an inspiration for Toby Hooper, but he wasn't but he didn't like like th- this is very much a fictional story. I mean, there's certainly that is some... true. That is true, and right. I, and thanks for bringing me back to earth on that because uh, <laughs> the th- and the thing I found fascinating about Engin is he didn't really kill. He killed two people, um, but there's a really famous. I implore you to look this up and at your own at your own risk. But there's oh a there's a really scary like run through like the detectives journals. That oh, they kept uh-huh. as they sure. went into this house to see to collect evidence. Sure. He he spent the better part of you know a decade robbing graves, um, right, 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 including his dead mother's grave. He had like a serious you know Oedipal con- complex. Um, you right, know, right, you right. Know, when his mom died, he didn't touch her room, and just like really grotesque stuff like. Um, uh, you know, like making lampshades out of human skin, making like right, a belt right. studded with human nipples <clears throat> and wearing mm. faces and a skin dress. And so these are the kind of things that obviously Ho- Hooper pulled from. Um, yeah, absolutely. But he only got caught because he, he, you know, he started getting a little bit more rambunctious about wanting to satisfy whatever this psychopathic urge was and whatever this depraved urge was and started luring women back and killing them um and so there were like two there were only two people that he killed and i say only two as if that's not a horrible thing but um yeah so i i had like a really really like deep-seated understanding of of this movie just uh, historically um so it's interesting so what else did you know about ed gain in relation to this Nothing. Nothing at all. I um I, I'm not um my my love of horror movies sort of 
stops the moment the film is over. I don't. Uh, I mean, I have a love of movies generally, and so of course I, I I like to read reviews and I like to read how 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 read about how films are made. But I, as far as like true crime stories go and serial killing uh, uh, obsession type stuff goes, I'm not. Uh, I do not think of myself as a fan. I, you know, I don't. I don't know. I couldn't name you killers, and I, and I certainly couldn't tell you uh, how they did what they did. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I, I it, it's which is which is I, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's rare or not, or if that's unusual or not, because I'm I'm other than just sort of like the kind of abject horror I feel every time I read about these sorts of things. I'm not interested in them. I don't I don't seek them out on purpose. You know, I don't I don't find them entertaining. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, okay, so then we can we can shift to the, the next question, which is related. What was your personal context to Texas Chainsaw Massacre? When we said yeah. we were going to do this, what was that? Well, yeah, actually, it, it hardly existed at all, uh, surprisingly. I, I, of course, knew about this film um, just by title alone, and I knew that it was a, uh, you know, one of these sort of toweringly influential uh, films, Um and I also knew that, like, I would recognize parts of this film, not necessarily mm. from having seen clips of it, but I, I, I had a feeling that I was going to be seeing a movie uh, that would be kind of like the, uh, like, I, I felt like there was, I was going to be seeing the genesis of a lot of film tropes, of a lot of horror mm. film tropes. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, yeah, and I actually, I mean, that that wound up being that wound up being kind of true. There were certainly some things here that I was like, "Oh, maybe this is where like say uh uh the creepy gas station attendant trope comes from." You know, that kind of a thing. Um which well, is of course I mean, lampooned that, that, so well in uh, Cabin in the Woods, you yeah. know, that 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 sort of thing. Honestly, it's lampooned so well in the remake of this movie. Oh, of course, which I haven't seen either. I mean, I don't know, I don't know anything about that either. Yeah, I mean, well that that touches on my context with this movie, which is basically mm. that I avoided it like the plague and the reason for that is I don't know if I you even know this about me, but mm. I I can't, kind of turned you on to horror movies about 5-6 years ago maybe. Um uh like, longer, believe it or not, yeah, oh, longer. Wow, okay. More like more like 8 years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously you had seen some before and respected some. I think you had seen The Shining before or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, of course, right. So, you know, I can't take full credit. Um, <laughs> no, you you pretty much can though, yeah. <laughs> uh, but before that, I grew up terrified of horror movies, and and, and to tell you like how kind of pathetic I was about it, um, <laughs> I first time I saw when I saw the Mummy, the Brendan Fraser movie, which is not a horror movie, um, but it has some right, really right, no. it has some kind of like disturbing torture buried alive stuff at the beginning. Right, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really disturbing. I had to turn it off when I was younger when we were watching it. Oh wow. Um, and uh, and I think it's just because, like, my older brother made me watch The Shining. Well, that's the story I tell. I'm not sure if he actually made me watch it. But I was I was exposed to The Shining really, really young. Um, and I couldn't sleep mm. for weeks. I had to sleep on my parents' parents bedroom floor for a couple of right. nights. Right. Because that movie's pretty viscerally terrifying. Things that really it is. stick with you at night. Oh, um, yeah. Images. <laughs> those images. Yeah. Yep. Very visual. Which is, I mean, obviously... That's why Kubrick is considered a master in a lot of ways. Um, but the what that caused was just this fear of any horror movie that had hype. Right. So any movie that was like, this is re- the, one of the scariest movies ever. So I avoided The Exorcist and I avoided Texas Chainsaw mm. Massacre. Mm. Um, <laughs> and those those two, and honestly, I didn't really watch many horror movies until I you know got into middle school and started... Uh, I don't know, you know, wanting to go on dates and watch horror movies sure, with sure, friends. Which, and horror movies make for good dates, absolutely. Right. Well, yeah, that's why Halloween is such a successful movie time. Uh, <laughs> so, but you know you know me. I mean, like, since then, in my adulthood, sure. I think I have con oh, The yeah. pendulum has swung far the other way, I think, because right, horror right. movies... And, and this is, I think, I think a common misconception people have with horror fans is they sort of assume that horror fans are jaded and aren't scared of anything, and that's why they can watch horror movies. Exactly. That's well said, right. That is not true, you know? And, no. And I think if that's who you are, you probably don't actually like horror movies. No, that's right. And, you know? and, and your, your, your kind of, like, origin story uh, is almost identical to mine. It's just that mine, my film, I think, was a little bit more embarrassing. I mean, it was Scream. It was, it was actually seeing Scream, which is, of course, 
<laughs> satire then it's not that scary but there's something I, about that mask uh, i disagree the, the scream is is terrifying i think scream is, is a, <laughs> it, it is somehow a comedy and a horror movie at once and it's no. really scary i i sure, think sure, i think okay. that first that first 20 minutes is is just like <laughs> i mean pun he sees the pun but it's just like gut-wrenching yeah <laughs> no but 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 i i think there's really something to be said about the kind of like uh Almost like psychoanalytic inexorability of like if you are traumatized by a horror movie when you were a kid, then perhaps you will wind up being obsessed with them when you're an adult, which is sure, pretty much yeah. what happened to both of us. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. It seems. Thank you for psychoanalyzing me. Um, oh, of course, of course. Anytime. That's three uh, yeah, or four hundred dollars yeah. an hour. So, yeah. uh, I could probably find a therapist that's cheaper than that. Mm, good luck. Anyway, let's, <laughs> uh, let's, um, but, but so, yeah, so I, I think, uh, I, I, I made my way back and this was sort of like a box to check for me. So I'm happy, um, I got to watch it. Um, so I guess before we hop into the, into the spoiler, just real quick, did you, um, you gotta give me a binary. Did you like mm-hmm. this movie or not? I loved this movie. Okay. All right. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. Level. So you? you you thought it was you thought it was well executed, scary, fun to watch. I thought it 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 completely surpassed my ex- expectations. Uh, I thought it was a masterpiece. Um, I loved it. I was I was deeply uncomfortable the entire time, and I and and it was great. Well, that's that's the mark of a good horror movie. Yeah, right. I liked it. I did not like it for about forty minutes. Oh, um, okay, okay. So I had a real turn in this. I think I texted you and said the last act saved this movie. Yeah, for me. Um, you did, right, right, right. And I'm I'm excited to unpack why, but I don't really want to get into into the specifics. Um, so I think this is a good place to switch on over to spoiler. Yes. Um, spoiler wall. So yeah, so I think we're gonna this next category is like let's just break really quickly break down the plot and some of our favorite. Um, our favorite parts of the movie. Um, sure, sure. And uh, kind of go from there. Maybe maybe try to stick to two or three scenes that stick out to you to like dig sure. into. Sure, okay. Um, okay. And then while you talk and answer this question, I realized I left my notes in the other room. So I can still hear you and your mic can right. still hear you. So, you right. know, give it a kick it off. All right, great. Well, so I, I think this plot is actually fairly simple. Uh, there are uh, the the movie opens if I remember correctly. The movie opens with news reports that in this small, out of the way, remote Texas town, there has been a slate of grave uh, grave robbings and uh, desecrations uh, involving some sort of creative reconfigurations of of corpses uh, in a graveyard. And so the film uh, then follows a brother and sister who are, along with a couple of their friends, are traveling in, you know, what might as well be a VW bus, if it's not that exactly, traveling down to this Texas town to see if their grandfather's grave uh, was among the graves that were uh, desecrated and vandalized and robbed. Um, so these, you know, hippies, I suppose, they're, they're not exactly hippies. They're like like they're like uh, proto-hippies they're, uh, or post-hippies. Um uh, travel to this town and see about seeing the grandfather's grave, uh, which I guess is fine. Uh, and then they wind up uh, traveling to the old homestead. Uh, the uh, this brother and sister Franklin and I'm not I'm not remembering the uh, the sister's name. Um, but um, Jay, perhaps you are. What? I'll I'll get up for you. Go. You keep talking. Well, so anyway. Uh, they have the old homestead, an old slaughterhouse that they used to own. Um, and the, the house, the home is abandoned and in complete disrepair, and the family moved away from there. They go to see it. They essentially run out of gas. Night falls, uh, and the neighbors tend to be uh, tend to be. They wind up being uh, murderous cannibals. <laughs> I guess also te- also tend to be in this trope. They tend to be right. They tend towards cannibalism. Yeah. Perhaps sometimes they eat vegetables, but mostly they eat people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, pretty much everybody, actually, no, everybody but the, but the, uh, quote-unquote final girl dies. And the final girl's name is Sally. Sally. All right, Sally, Sally. And Sally, then it's Franklin and Sally. They are the brother and sister. And Franklin, it should be noted, 
is, uh, well, I guess we don't know exactly, but he seems perhaps like a paraplegic. He's yeah, in a de- wheelchair. definitely paraplegic. I got the vibe. Yeah. I got the vibe that he was. He had, didn't have the use of his legs right from the from right birth. from the beginning. Yeah. And and that's and that's in fact one of these. You know, uh, my very first reaction to this movie is the moment you see Franklin, you say, "Oh shit!" You know, this is going to be <laughs> this yeah. is going to present a serious challenge uh, for running through the any woods. Character like in a you knew movie. they're in rural Texas, so. Right, right. And people are going to be running. People run in horror movies. They run away from things all the time. And this movie has some of the most hilarious running. Yeah, there are. There is, in fact, that's right. There's a very, uh, you might say, overlong uh, sequence in which... She goes back and forth, yeah. Um, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, I think that might have been a, a a product of the time and the technological options. You know, they don't, they probably weren't able to set up so many cameras and create such a long mm. distance, you know, like, um, we can, we can get to that. Um, yeah, I think that's a good plot, plot synopsis. Um, so I think, uh, the only, the only couple of things that I would add, the very opening, mm. the very, very opening shots are them taking pictures are like, uh, officers taking pictures and you only see this grotesque sculptures you mentioned that's right via that's flashes right. and that's exactly what happened in the ed gein house walkthrough it's on a on a bit of a, like an autopsy table that sort of thing yeah yeah so i i think that that was that to me sort of solidified the inspiration was a lot stronger I with see, ed gein I than i thought it was um i also should mention that a lot of the things that happened i was looking for the comparisons because to show you how much i avoided this movie when i was younger i watched the remake of it in the 2000s um, ah. so i did know a lot of those little bits um but yeah i think you sort of missed the hitchhiker thing um oh my god i completely missed the hitchhiker thing that's that's um i it's interesting. Uh, well, what's what's funny about the Hitchhiker thing is that it's completely irrelevant to the plot, though. It's um, it's pure happenstance that the uh, friends wind up in the neighboring property. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, true. I mean, I think I could argue that. So, so there was that point at the end where the dad yells at him because the Hitchhiker. So, right, we're in the spoiler section. The Hitchhiker ends up being the brother of of leatherface and and the two of them are the sons of of the guy the who gas, the station gas station attendant yep. right right yep. and the three of them along with a uh, a paterfamilias you know a a grandfather oh who you think has to be dead and then winds up being alive i want to talk uh, they, i want to talk about that briefly when we get in, oh my in, yeah that, that that was one of them that's my definitely things. a double take yep yeah um so he uh so I, my understanding, because remember he gets yelled at by the dad. The hitchhiker gets yelled mm-hmm. at by the dad at the end of the movie by saying, I told you not to go hang out by the graveyard. Away from the graves, right. You you almost got us caught. You, you, these kids almost got away. Um, and right, so, right. And so it's kind of my understanding that the brother is, now maybe he's not tasked by the dad, but maybe he is supposed to be getting people to come, you know? Sure, okay. Like, like maybe he's out there kind of like scouting murder victims. Yeah. I, I so mean, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Right. So 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 about that. Actually, I I wasn't. It wasn't clear to me. That was actually a question I had. It wasn't clear to me if if the family, you know, this this cannibalistic murderous family, has been doing this regularly for you know decades, or if something happened that made them snap. I mean, why? You know, why now? Why why now? In I don't know, nineteen seventy four. Is this family suddenly uh, uh, active, very active? I, so I, I, and I wonder, I, part of me is like, this is where the kind of cultural criticism of this film comes in, or the cultural co- commentary, I should say. You know, what's happening in 1974 that makes a, <laughs> you know, a kind of prototypical American family uh, turn to cannibalism and murder. And, you you and, think you really think they turned to it? I I just feel like we were dropped into we, a needle was dropped. It, it, like we don't know when these news reports were actually taking place. We just know that this family got wind of them and wanted to check in. I think it, okay. I, I think the other thing is I don't know that they. Sh- I mean I I could this your reading is is well taken here, but I think um, to me they're not going to investigate. They're going. In part, I guess, because they heard about these grave ro- grave robbings, but sure. I think in part because 
they just they're just stupid teens that want to go fuck around in the woods and mm-hmm, like go mm-hmm. to their old rundown house check it out like she she's there's that scene where she's showing them the wallpaper in her old room right 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 and, right. and to be clear on the plot point the old their old house the one that franklin and sally grew up in right is right is the property right next door to the leatherface family um right. so so that's like really really coincidental as well um so yeah, I mean, I just sort of took it that they were just there being stupid teenagers in a horror movie, you know? Yeah, you know, and and that and that raises a uh, a kind of a a point that I wanted to make, which was that maybe not a point, but more of a, a reading on it or a take, which is that the the true heroes of this movie are the cannibals. I mean, it's very much like to me they are purely victims of circumstances, and their property is trespassed upon. And they are hungry. <laughs> they don't know how else to make a living because there's no gas in the gas station, and their slaughterhouse business is. You read it is, like they're heroes. My God. I mean, I don't want to say heroes. Maybe heroes isn't the right move, but but they almost feel blameless in in a way. I mean, you're, you're saying it, that you can see how they devolved into a point. Yeah, I certainly can. They 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 formerly run a slaughterhouse, but as we know from the hitchhiker, the scene in, in the van with the hitchhiker. Uh, you know, he's he's talking about he's having an argument with Franklin about the best way to kill cattle. And Franklin is talking about, you know, he's extolling the virtues of the automatic uh, cattle killer, which I I can only picture uh, as the, uh, the, you know, the cow killing gun from No Country from Old Dude, Men. Dude, I, I, I have that exact note. It's cattle killing air gun. No country right, for old right. men is in my no country, is in my right, notes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which so, yeah, which actually that there's baggage there because like I I don't think they do a very good job of, of explaining just how terrifying the concept of that gun is. <laughs> right. Sure. 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 And yeah, maybe cool. you know maybe that's that's Cormac McCarthy's like. Uh, uh, we needed Javier Bardem for that. Yeah. 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 But sorry. Um, go ahead. No, but they're having this argument about about which is the better way to kill cattle, and Franklin is saying clearly it's the it's the uh, you know it's it's the fancy new. Uh, cattle killer, cattle, you know, cattle killing air gun that does it. And this guy is saying, no, the best way to do it is, you know, essentially the analog old fashioned way, you know, which as, is as bloody as possible, you know, which is bookended at the end with them failing mm-hmm. to kill Sally that same way. Oh, that's terrific. I didn't, that did not occur to me. That's terrific. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. Right. It's interesting. Um, and they give it, right. And then when they give the hammer to the old man who, who's the best killer in the family and he can't, and he can't even hold yeah, the hammer. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, but yeah, I think you basically covered it. I have, uh, I, I, that was my plot hole is that I thought it was pretty thin. The impetus of them being here was pretty thin. Okay. I think it, it we're sure. just sort of supposed to believe, like, I, I literally have written in my notes, where are they driving and why? Um, sure, sure, sure. Because I, I think it's just, they didn't spend a lot of time in that part of the exposition of this plot. No. Um, which is. I don't know that that hurts the movie. I mean, there's, this movie has an incredible sense of place. Um, right. Oh, my and, gosh. And, right. and an incredible sense of, like, being real. You know, it feels a little in places like a student that's, film. That's exactly right. I have I have real all over my notes as well, that, that, that word exactly. There's something, like... It's just not stylized. No. Well, no, but it is and it isn't. I mean... Like it, it's not it's it's gritty. You know, I think it's shot on sixteen millimeter film stock. It's it's gritty. It's grainy. Uh, it's it's very you know. It's got that sort of handheld quality to it. It feels like dirty realism. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, one of the things that I was surprised about, um, and this was this was actually something that 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 I, that I wanted to hear your take on as well, which is you know sort of what surprised you about this film. You know, we we know so much about this movie through kind of cultural osmosis so what what was you know what was surprising to you and one of the things that was surprising to me was how how avant-garde it was at times like i thought some of you know there were a number of low dolly shots where you're following behind a character looking up okay so i was yeah i was obsessed with those shots so the shots were cool i there was one shot that is in every indie movie ever which is when they're actually picking up the hitchhiker um, mm-hmm. and it's this far shot where the van drives, a, it's like, I don't know, the, the, it's mostly horizon, but the, the, uh, road is on the mm. bottom third of the screen mm-hmm. and the van drives all the way almost to the edge and then stops perfectly at the right side of the screen, like at the, sure, at sure, the sure. rule of thirds. And I was, right, right, I was right. like, is this uh little miss sunshine? Like I, <laughs> ju- I was just picturing like Steve Carell chasing after the van. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. 
so there were definitely some moments where they were ahead of their time or at least like following some some sort of they were trying to say something with the cinematography and i think the next category is talking about some of these like these uh deeper cut members of the cast and crew um so we can talk about cinematography briefly then um but i think what surprised me and i think you're actually hitting on what makes 70s horror so revered and i think a lot of it Mm. has a sense of restraint there was there was a lot Mm. of exploring going on in that genre and that time period that you know it wasn't it wasn't the excess of the 80s yet um which you know in art it was like we right. can we can sort of do so many things technologically in the 80s so let's do everything whereas right, i think right, right. i think generally 70s horror um it has some of those those kind of um yeah yeah the simplicity and the like working with what you got and like being very uh, and this is a and this is a famous a famously low budget movie too this is a very oh yeah uh, i mean so much good art comes out of uh, of sort of self-imposed uh, restraints or constraints, sure. I should say. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I assume that a low budget, a small budget is not a self-imposed <laughs> constraint, but still. Yeah. Well, I mean, now it can be. You it can be now. If you look at paranormal activity and that's, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting off tech, off topic, but um, yeah, I think uh, I, I wasn't so smitten with some of those shots. Um, they're, uh, I would say that so you're tracking your your like low angle shots may have been effective mm-hmm. in, at moments, but there is this shot when you know hot girl number one is yeah. wa- is walking up to the door after her her dude gets killed yeah. after that first kill, um, and it's like a tracking butt shot. Um, yes, yes, and, I, and there's also there's also a butt shot at, at, with the Coca Cola machine at the gas station, which felt gratuitous and it felt sexist, and absolutely. Now I don't know. Again, like we're you, like you said, this is this is potentially. I haven't done research on butt shots in horror movies, or you know, on on you know, sure. objectifying women in horror movies. Um, oh well, that stuff that's been around forever. I mean, that's that's. This movie is definitely no stranger to those sort of tropes, those like you know torturing women tropes and 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 uh, right, but final yeah. final girl tropes, that sort of thing. Sure, and 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 I think you you touched on this point a little. It's like, did this movie have a hand in helping some of those become a thing? Like, was right, it right, was right, it right. less well trodden at that time to do this sort of thing? Um, mm. <laughs> and I think I think a really good example of that is like I have it in my notes uh, this house. Is it scary in this universe, or did this movie make houses like this scary? <laughs> and, sure. And so, uh, you know, I don't think that that is that is a very uh, eloquent point, you know, because obviously a lot <laughs> of movies copy this concept, and it's it's not, you know, it's an abandoned old house in the middle of a swamp, swampy, Texasy kind of place. So, right. um, that's always going to be scary you know, on a fundamental level, but I kept thinking throughout like, oh shit. Okay. So was this movie the first? Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think the only other thing I wanted to talk about briefly on the plot point, well, there are two things. So I, I want to talk about the first kill, the first jump scare. Um, mm, okay. cause that's a very iconic scene. Everybody talks about it. Um, it's the one where he's sort of like walking into the house and then Leatherface pops out. Oh, yeah, pops and the door, out. right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep, With kills all the, him. them African masks and, and yep. sort of indigenous looking. Yep. Yep, yep. Well, actually, weren't they like... Uh, were they like, skulls? Like deer. They were, uh, oh. they were mounted animal heads, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Though, I don't know. There might have been indigenous masks. There were a lot of fucking masks on that wall. Um, yeah, so he jumps out, bashes him in the head. The guy falls on the ground twitching. He pulls him back in, and then he mm-hmm. slams that metal door. And right. like, that's that's one of the most iconic jump scares of all time. I, I think I think to people, I had somehow seen that scene before. The mo- when I saw it, it was it resonated with me in a way that like I, I was like, oh, this is this is you totally familiar. It. Yeah, I completely recognized it, and I you know for the life of me, I have no idea from where. Yeah, it has to be. Uh, because that is an iconic scene, and you saw it somewhere. I mean, like that. Yeah, right, right, a lot right. of people cite that scene. I was I mean, not, for, as far as I know. I, I mean, for all I know, it could be The Simpsons. You know, uh, who knows? Treehouse of Horrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I honestly, I was not. That scene did not sell me as hard as everyone 
implies. I don't know if it's because mm. I was expecting it or what, but um, I just don't think... I think one technique that they use a lot in this movie, sometimes to success, but uh, most of the time not, is, again, because... I don't think they could have elaborate set pieces and sort of elaborate choreography Mm -hmm. and lots of camera coverage. They're probably only working with a few cameras. Um, It it felt like they used zoom cuts and jump cuts and quick Uh close-ups like in place of what I'm used to for scares. Yeah, Um, sure. So uh, it just wasn't super effective for me. Yeah, a lot of close-ups. A lot of Mm -hmm. close-ups. Yeah, so... The other thing I wanted to talk about, these are just my three moments. That first kill. Yeah, sure. Then when she goes into the house and she's in that room with the dead animal and the chicken poop and all that stuff. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I just have a note here that said they had to make this fucking set. Um, and <laughs> I sort of thought about that. And, and like I was saying, it's not stylized because I think even that set does not seem... I feel like if Eli Roth got his hands on that set... Oh, yeah, be be ratcheted up 10 times. So there was just something about that that I thought was like really impressive that moment. It was naturalist. It was naturalistic. Yeah, yeah. And and as strange as that is to say, it did feel naturalistic. Yeah. And then obviously she gets grabbed and thrown onto the meat hook, and that's iconically like difficult to see. Right. Uh, Oh my gosh. The meat hook scene. You could feel that in your own chest. I don't know what it's like to have a a meat, meat hook into your muscle, but I'm sure it's bad. Oh my god, it's horrible. Um, yeah, and so I think uh, I think the last scene, plot-wise, that I wanted to talk about is the last bit, the dinner table scene. The dinner scene. Yep. Oh yeah. Which I, I would say is the most most iconic Classic part of this movie. American Family. It might as well have been Thanksgiving. Or or like the you quoted Cabin in the Woods, the uh, classic uh, redneck torture family. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it it comes from this movie, you know, and this movie gets it from you know other things. The American Gothic thing and and serial mm-hmm. killers and sort of like down home incestuous things. Um, I'm playing a video game, Resident Evil Seven or something right now, okay. and that's the point of it. It's one of the only first person Resident Evil uh, games, oh, and okay. and it is a redneck torture family, and a lot of it's taken go. directly from this movie, including a scene where, you, you, where you wake up at a dinner table with a dead grandma sitting there, um, <laughs> but. But so that that was where I thought they did an amazing job in that scene of making you genuinely and again we're going to harp on this it felt more real than I'm used to like sure. they could have been dialing up like all kinds of different like they they could have like really laid on her performance or on on like gore or or that kind of thing but really it was focused on um trying to portray with close-ups right just how disoriented she was right 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 um and i, I just thought so that, those that so those, so those uh those close-ups worked for you those particular close-ups like her eyeball and stuff yeah uh-huh. i think they hit him a little hard a little long but again i think it was a limit to what they could do special effects wise but it really hit That's me when they yeah. were like we're gonna let this catatonic grandpa which by the way when he started sucking her finger i jumped oh my God. i jumped because oh i was like God. shit he's alive I know that was that felt um I so much of this movie reminded me of True Detective the second season in in Louisiana and that scene in particular did because there's there's yeah. another there's another like ancient you know somebody who's like post life you know some posthumous person who's actually alive Yeah sure yeah I mean and and I think yeah, that's a, that's actually a good point because cause that movie operates in a sense of reality for so long mm-hmm. and then things start to get weird and supernatural like peppered in and then you're like yeah, this right. feels weird and feels almost like it's something i could see in louisiana if i went down yeah. there right now well and there's also also when when the when the group of friends arrives at their you know the old the old homestead the stomping grounds of franklin and sally there are even there are even hanging bone mobiles you know which is straight out of well yeah. i shouldn't say straight out of but it's you know those are those are at the very beginning of that second season yeah. of true detective you mean, the, louisiana fir- you mean stuff. the first season the first season is it the first season? Sorry, I only watched one season. I don't remember which one is which. Second season was awful. The one with the with Woody Harrelson and and yep. uh, yeah, that's know, the time first is a flat circle. Hmm. <laughs> I think you mean time is a flat circle. Right, right, right. Sorry, with the mustache and a and a bunch yeah. of beer cans. <laughs> that he's cutting up with a knife. That he's uh, right. <laughs> um yeah, so I thought that was really effective, and I think it was particularly effective in the hand. They were like, We're gonna have grandpa do it, he's the best, and you know he can't hold that shit. 
And you you know as a viewer that the, it's like almost more fucked up because she oh, has totally. to sit there and let it's them silly. go through it. It's completely absurdist. Uh huh. And 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 so I mean obviously that's the point. And then she wriggles out. She comes out bleeding. And then that's when right. all that's when you know all the chasing, uh, right. you know ha- happens. But but that's when the daylight kicks in. And that really is again when she. That's it's a it's surprising that it's already she, daytime. Yeah, it's I completely it surprising. Night. I thought it was night. Completely surprising. And somehow I was terrified that truck driver. Oh, I also had another interesting thing at the very beginning of the movie. A truck blows by them really fast mm. and launches him down the hill yeah and it felt a bit of, of a bit of foreshadowing i suppose yeah right but then that truck comes back and saves them saves her right so right. oh my god and then and then we're left left with one of the most indelible images that i that i can that i can remember uh seeing in recent in you know in the recent movies that i've seen which is which is leatherface doing that like avant-garde modern dance with the chainsaw of frustration in front of the I'm in front of the sunset obsessed I want to see the choreography of that. I want to see that like performed, you know, at like Brooklyn Dude. Academy of Music or something. Oh, that was the most amazing yeah. little dance. So yeah, so my last three notes are vampire question mark exclamation point, which <laughs> was when he was sucking her blood, which tells you how enthralled I was because that was that note, and then I don't have any other note until scary truck <laughs> until scary truck saves the day. Um, scary truck, sure. And then my last point here is is the last shot of this movie one of the most beautiful shots ever. Yep, yep. And I yep. think you're right. It's 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 a shot that you've seen in trailers, that you've seen in clips, and you don't. And it hits really, really hard in this moment because I think I've I've read some articles about Leatherface. He's just kind of like a. I mean, he's mentally challenged. He's kind of doing what his family supports him in doing. Like he clearly can't think for himself. You know. Like, no. Well, and, there's there's one there's one great read of it. Uh, that I found through the Wikipedia entry, you know, which is that like, which is that the dinner scene is perfectly uh, emblematic of emblematic of like, like the American family at dinner. You know, you have the gas station attendant who's the father. He's the the yeah. bread. You know, winner. You have Leatherface is the is the sort of is the is the housewife who uh, is in charge of cooking and wears the apron and puts on makeup and <laughs> lipstick. And then you got the teenage rebellious uh, son, you know, who who who's absolutely crazy and and is you know full of anger and that sort of thing, and fucks everything up, and ruins it all exactly. Like he could have caught, like at the end of that movie when she was running toward the road, he was chasing after her, and there were so many moments where he could have caught her, and it was it was like yeah, there, there were right. moments earlier, no, right, w- with right, the, with right, the exactly. run with the running and the chainsaw. Um, that I thought were like they were running too slow, they were doing it just for right. the sake of it. Um, but at that moment, he definitely was toying with her, and totally, he he was prolonging it. He was making it more scintillating for himself. Yeah, right. And then that is the reason she gets away because she gets to the road yeah. and a truck drives by. Hubris. And, hubris. Yeah. It's always so, hubris. Yeah. So yeah. So I think that that's the movie, and I think uh, I think that's a good coverage, and we can hop on really quickly. We're uh, we're down to the last two categories. I think we're running pretty long. Um, Good, yeah, I've got I got to get to dinner in about five minutes or so. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll uh, make these last two quick. I think the, this next category is fun. Um, I'm calling it for the moment unsung villains. Sure, uh, sure. And so I think it's like we should pick somebody in the casting crew that is not the director, not the mm. uh, not the composer, and not any of the lead actors, any of the okay. main cast. So you can't pick them, but pick somebody. That is anyone from the DP to, okay, okay. I don't know the best boy, but I don't know how you'd know that. But, but <laughs> I pick, wouldn't. I wouldn't pick, know. You know, pick yeah. se- pick it second and third tier people that you think really stood out in the movie. In in okay. it, it could be a good or a bad way. Like if they pulled it down sure. and really put their mark on it in a way you didn't like, that's fine too. So okay, so so I'm gonna answer this question um, by completely disrespecting everything you just said. Um, no offense. Uh, which is that? Which is that? None of these actors, uh, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think there are any real exceptions, but I don't think any of these actors went on to have, um, like what you might traditionally call successful careers in show business yeah, and I'll, acting. I'll check your work on that because I already got the IMDb open. But keep, keep okay, saying good. what you're going to say. 
No, no, no. You, 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 you should fact check me. But so what I want to say is that one of the things that I that I like about this movie is that I actually think I mean there are definitely some exceptions, uh, exceptions, and 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 it certainly ranges. But there are some performances in this film that I think are absolutely sublime. Mostly Franklin's performance, our, our mm. wheelchair bound um, kind of protagonist, at least until he's completely sliced and diced. Um, His name is Paul he, Paul A. Partain. Okay, okay. So, so he, I, so there's something about this movie, and, and we ta- we touched on this earlier when we were talking about the realism of it, the, the, maybe the naturalism. I, I taught I taught a couple of classes. Uh, of Italian film over the last couple of years. Brooklyn College? And or At Brooklyn College, that's right. Both of them at Brooklyn College. And uh, we focused a lot on Italian neorealism, you know, this 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 film movement uh, that was sort of post-Mussolini, post-World War II, uh, in which filmmakers um, were using non-actors uh, because they wanted to, they wanted to, to, mm-hmm. to, I don't know, to showcase a real Italy. And so who better to do it than real people? Uh, this movie, I think, succeeds in large part because the people seem like real people. Um, and uh, Franklin, in particular, I'm <clears throat> completely obsessed with, uh, in large part, and I know this is maybe backtracking just a little bit, but something that we didn't talk about um, is Franklin's, like, mm, his fascination, his morbid, uncanny fascination with the hitchhiker, with the son uh, in 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 the family. His his he asks so poignantly his friends. He says, "What makes somebody just like carve up his hand?" You know? Do you remember the scene near the beginning of the movie when they're in the bus, when they're in the truck or, or the van? Yeah. So he was fixated on on the, era- fixated the erratic by. behavior. He was like, "How does he, you? How do you even do he's that?" Empathy- but he's yeah. empathizing. Mm-hmm. He just got cut. He got attacked. He got. He got. In some ways, he got traumatized. But he's empathizing with this guy. He says, "What is it that brings a person uh, to the point where they can, you know, bleed themselves?" Essentially, I, I, I thought that was absolutely terrific. That so that's my. And this is that's a, that's a that's the wrong answer to your question. Yeah, he's, de- yeah, he's definitely he's definitely a lead. You fucker. Yeah, it, it, it's it's that my un, the unsung villain of this film for me is Franklin, the actor who plays him, and also that character, which to me is completely novel and unique in in this genre. I, I, hmm. I just I've never come across a character who tried to empathize uh, in this in this way. I thought it was phenomenal. Good. Uh, I, I you know what? I'll buy that take because you're right. I looked up; they all are just in sequels and other horror movies and TV movies. Okay, like the only guy's name I had heard of is. Leatherface, which is played by a guy named Gunnar Hansen. Um, right, and but how, do you know, how do you forget that name, right? <laughs> and it's literally only because of horror movies and because of that name. So, um, And honestly, you don't even see his face. He's there for his, like, kind of Right. No, you never presence. see his face. You just, yeah. the body, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, you, uh, it's interesting. You did point out um, it's looking like it was a $300,000 estimated budget and it's suggesting mm. that it made $30 million. So you are right. It's, it, it is a low budget movie though. Woo. Not as low as I thought. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah. So since I was on the IMDP page, I figured I'd step back to that. Um, yeah. So I think my, my unsung villain real quick is, uh, I would say, I would say the, the sound designer. Um, mm, I, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, it, this is different from, who I'm pretty sure they're going to credit the composer. I, I don't, it is in a movie like this is hard to differentiate between what was sound editing, sure. what was sound sure. design and what was music because so much of the music ah. is atonal and like right. screechy metal sounds and right, right, right. Uh, which is just well-trodden territory. Again, I wonder if it's only well-trod because right. of this movie. I don't know, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, but I think the 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 way that they splice together, and especially I think that last scene was so effective. And this comes together with the screaming too, because mm. the screaming is so. I have this like weird visceral fear of screams. I think like if uh-huh, I'm in a place uh-huh. where like I worked at a summer camp when I was younger, and we used to do all <laughs> kinds of like creepy horror walks with the kids because they loved it. Sure. But anytime they'd scream, I would get like my heart rate would ratchet up because of just like I think my animal instincts. Right, of course. Uh, oh my god, the sound is terrible. Yeah, 
And so I think that was a big part of it. How loud her screams were in comparison to the rest of the sound really sets you in a moment where you're like, shit. Like, does somebody think I'm murdering someone in my apartment right now? Like, They do. I assure you, they do. Yeah. They already called the cops. Mm-hmm. And then and then also in that last scene, um, just the close-ups of her eye were always accompanied by what sounded like someone yes. who was jamming glass into my own eye. So Ah, yes, yes, yes. So it, it's like those moments, I think, really elevated that scene for me in a way that I, I don't often pay attention to, which says a lot because I, you know, I... I went to school for music technology, which is that's right. That's right. You know, you know what you're talking sound about design. So, so I'm always listening for those things, and this movie sort of set it apart for me, and in kind of a really low budget way. It was not well done technically. There were really, <laughs> really, really imbalanced mixing, and but but again, I think it was like the sound was almost a character in the movie. Yeah, it was effective. Um, I think. Yeah. Well, but and and I then and then little moments where you knew a chainsaw was coming, right? But before you saw mm-hmm. any chainsaw, they heard the rumble of that generator. Right. Right. Um. Right. And so that sort of set you on edge. You weren't sure if they were walking into some dude just hanging out with a chainsaw. Uh. So yeah, I, I think the sound was a was a big help for me. Uh, yeah, so I, I have it sort of like the last category is how are we rating this? And I think this will be a little bit of a work in progress right now. I'm always been fascinated with, with the lingering effects of a horror movie. Um, so this category right now is the question of, will you sleep tonight? And kind of, right, right, right. Kind of on a scale. I think right now we're calling the scale, uh, we're rating it number of sheep, uh, because (laughs) the more sheep you have to, uh, you have to count the longer it takes you to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, your man. that's a pity laugh. You think that's really yeah, dumb? No, no, no. It's not entirely a pity laugh. I like it. it it's it. It's um. Yeah, you know why not? Let's just do it. Let's I, do it. Uh, yeah, how many sheep? Yeah, but, but I, I, I don't. How, like, I so like, I is it like Scoville units though, where it starts small <laughs> and goes you know astronomical, or is it like exponential? No, I think yeah, let's right. let's do one to five because everyone does. Okay, I mean, we could five, also do good. zero out of a hundred. It's up to you. I mean, let's uh, do one to five. One to five is right. One and, to five and, stars. And, also, and you can you can do decimals. You can do decimals. Like you can have oh, okay, decimals, you know like sorry, three point eight, and that you know that point eight is most of a sheep, but he's been. Ooh, now I'm now I'm thinking of blood and mm-hmm. dismemberment and perfect. It's perfect. Right, it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so I think, and this is where I think in future episodes of, the, of this podcast, if we so choose to have them, uh, sure. we have uh, we have an interesting point here of uh, is is losing sleep over a movie. A is that even really a good barometer of how good it is, and B. Mm-hmm. Is that only a good barometer if it's something that scares you naturally? Because sure, there are definitely sure, horror sure. movies that I enjoy, well, right. but they don't stick with right. me at night because they're so outlandish or they're not, they don't play on or my existing fears. Because it's not your particular, it's not your particular phobia. It's not, yeah. it's not specific enough to you to, right. Yeah. So I think for the sake of, for the purposes of a rating, just more sheep means scarier, more effective, better, et cetera. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, do you want to go first with this, if you had to give sure, it a rating sure. out of five? Yeah, sure. So, I, I haven't thought about it in, in this way until you've posed this question So right now. So, so I'm sort of forced to give it a, a, um, a kind of impulsive rating, which is, which is good. Um, so, I'll give it a... I'll give it a... Th- Mm, I'll give it a 2.7 sheep rating. So, it, it, it's... Yeah, I, I was not terrified watching this movie i was deeply uncomfortable uh i thought that atmospherically it was it was quite scary it was eerie it was uh tense um but uh generally when i am scared uh, of a movie to the point where i lose sleep over it, it it's because there are some sort of there's some sort of you know stark imagery that that's haunting me it was an image in my mind that i see when i close my eyes there was nothing like that in this film for me um, this movie was was purely scary uh, in a kind of imagine on kind of like an you know an imagination uh, level. Uh, so the, the two point I don't even know what I said two point eight two point seven yeah two point okay, seven okay. yeah so so, so yeah. I I think moving forward we should have two ratings um, we should have a sheep rating which is the sleep which is the scariness which is the lasting horror and that's interesting and then we should just have like an out of five. Um, I'll, okay, I'll okay. come up with like if it's not five stars, it's five pentagrams or what the fuck ever, you know. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. But yeah, so so give me give me a like 
a rating of the movie if it's like your straight up like IMDb score okay. kind of a thing. And I then, gave it I'd give it a, a four and a half stars out of five. Okay. So yeah, that's that's a big difference. Yeah. And that's indicative yeah. right there. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. I think losing sleep, I think you're right. I, I think I'm about a one point eight on this, which is uh uh interesting because I avoided it for so long. <laughs> right, right, uh, right. I think effectiveness. I'm lower than you. I think in terms of a rating on the movie, I think it's about a three. Okay, um, all right, fair enough. I wasn't as smitten with it as you were. Clearly, I, that doesn't surprise me. Again, I think people like these movies because they're so uh, kind of the reason we like these this modern renaissance of horror we're seeing with these sort of really right. really chewy movies that have been coming out that you can really dig into. Um, this was like that for sure. I think I just could not battle through the the seventies sure, sure, production sure. value and the baggage that it yeah, had. Yeah, fair enough. Fair so. enough. Fair enough. Um, cool. All right. Well, I think that's it. I think that's wrapped. All right. Uh, All right. Good. Good, good. good first I... episode. Cool. All right. Well, thanks uh, everyone who is listening. The uh, one and a half <laughs> people who are paid. Um, we love you. We love you. And yeah. Until next time. Stay. Uh, All right. Count those sheep. Stay, stay scared, Jay. Stay scared, fear, fearful. Ever vigilant. All right, <laughs> love you, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Love you too, buddy. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit penfed.org/auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.